Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Now, the topic that we are supposed to speak about today is on marketplace discipleship. And so it has got to do with marketplace and being a disciple in the marketplace. Now, what is the marketplace? Who is the marketplace disciple? Now, simply put, it is all of us whom we do not work full-time in the church. But make no mistake, we are full-time disciples and we are full-time ministers. We are just ministering in the marketplace. But the question really is, do we feel like that? Because sometimes where we are, we don't feel this way. right? You may be in the marketplace as an executive, in your professional work, in the corporate world, working with the government. You could be a student, studying in your educational institutions. Or like what Pastor Edmund said, you could be serving in your camps. Or you could be a homemaker, just like my wife, serving your family in your marketplace. So that's your marketplace. But the question really is, do we feel like we are disciples in the marketplace? Or, you know, once we leave the church on Sunday, we are back to the world. The only time that we are disciples is on a Sunday or during our CG. And even if we know we are, we feel the call, the question is whether how do we respond to that? And so that's really the gist of the message today that I hope to be able to share with you. So I've just got three simple points and some stories that I want to share and hopefully God will use this right to touch you and to maybe encourage you to respond to Him, to be that marketplace disciple. So the three points that I have for all of us today is firstly, God works wherever we are. And the second point is God works with whatever we have. And the last point is to accomplish His will. So wherever we are, whatever we have, to accomplish His will. Please allow me to just pray for all of us. Dear Lord Jesus, Father, we thank You so much, Lord, that You have called us, Lord, to be Your children. Lord, indeed, it is a privilege it is your grace and it is your mercy, for without which we have no hope. Lord, we thank you for calling us to be at the marketplace, Lord, to disciple Singapore through the marketplace. Lord, but sometimes, Lord, we don't feel that way. But Lord, you know many of us, Lord, in our head, we want it. We want it so badly. We want to be called. We want to know that we are called and we want to disciple the people around us. But sometimes, Lord, we don't have that desire. It seems so ironic that we have, we want it, but we don't have the desire. But yet, Lord, sometimes that's true. And Lord, it's true sometimes that we have the desire, but Lord, we, we are weak, Lord, to want to do it. So Lord, I just want to pray for each and every one of us here. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you use your word, not mine. Lord, your word in scripture, or the stories, Lord, that you have allowed me, 
Lord, to be able to have that experience to share. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to be present, Lord, to touch each and everyone's heart. Lord, that they will want to respond to you and I will want to respond to you. So, Lord, I commit all these things in your hands. Pray all this in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start with the first point, which is wherever we are. And I'm going to invite all of us to turn to our Bibles, right? Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Okay, and allow me to read for all of us. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. It's a well-known story of how Moses had an encounter with God through the burning bush. Right, so Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So this is the story of Moses, and well, he's in the middle of his work in Midian. This was not Prince Moses anymore. The first 40 years of his life, we all know that Moses was in Egypt. He lived in a family of royalty. He was Prince of Egypt, Prince Moses. But then, of course, he committed a crime. He murdered someone. And as a result, he ran for his life. And so when Moses was caught at this time, he was actually already 80 years old. And Moses lived until about 120 years old. So this is like the second part of his life. And we would have expected that God would call Moses in Egypt, where he had the status, he had the authority to make decisions, he had the influence, so-called. But God didn't. God didn't. But, you know, man's thinking always is that the best place to be called is when I have the authority. But that wasn't God's idea. God's idea was well, quite unexpected. He called Moses firstly when he was running away. He was in Midian. He was no longer a priest. Plus, he was 80 years old. So I did some math, right? 80 years old in those days because, well, I mean, now for us, 80 years old, most of us will be like retired. And the average life expectancy of Singaporeans is going to be fast become like 85 years old. Right, but so if I did some math, you know, back in his time, people live a bit longer. Right? Well, 80 years old at that time would be for us now about 56 to about 60 years old. And for many of us at that age, we are either in retirement or planning for retirement. In five years' time, you'll be drawing down your CPF life. If you do not understand what CPF life is, I can spend the next 20 minutes explaining it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but here is Moses, either right, in today's term, in his retirement or near retirement, 
and at a place most unexpected, and yet God called him. So sometimes we think that you know, we will only be called if we have the status, we have the rank, we are a place that is you know, glamorous, then we will be called. But that's not God's way of thinking. And I hope that encouraged many of us, especially homemakers. And I say that because I have a special heart for homemakers because my wife is a homemaker. And you give up sometimes good jobs and then when you go and you be at home, you feel like you are nobody. Nobody, no leave, no MC, no nothing. <laughs> and you only minister to your children. You think your circle of influence is very small. And you are just probably engaging in some talks with your neighbours, if any. But I just want to encourage you that you are not nobody to God. Homemakers and the rest of us as well. Because Moses at the time was a nobody. He probably only ministered to the sheep. But yet, God called him. And I speak to the people who are maybe at 56, 60 years old. You may feel like now you don't have a job. You know, you are no longer useful. But that's when God called Moses. And God called him in an unexpected place. And that's our God. And the most important thing is when God called, Moses actually heard him. And I mean, we will take for granted that of course Moses would have heard God because there was a burning bush. God, if you send me a burning bush right now when I walk outside later on at Bukit Panjang, I will surely hear you. <laughs> Especially if the burning bush is not consumed. But you know it's not always like that and we all know it because sometimes we are so busy that when God sends us miracle, we don't. It's easy for us to say, if I'm like the Israelite, you know, I will definitely, I will definitely see God or talk to God or obey God. But we know it's not so simple. Because we are just so consumed with our lives at the marketplace. I know. I know because I'm like that. I'm a workaholic. I still am. And it's something that I fight very hard. So my first application to share for all of us, that I'm going to share with all of us, is... God can call you and me in the most unexpected place at a time least expected. It could be now. When we are doing just our normal work, whatever you are doing, even when we think it is an unimportant job. But the question really for us this morning is, are we just too busy to respond? Are we too busy to hear Him? Because we are just crowded out by the activities of our lives. I always remember when uh, Pastor Ed, many years ago, he said this. He said, if you look at your calendar, you will know where your focus is. When I look at my calendar, my scheduler, I know where my focus is. I'm not proud to say that most of my activities, they are corporate work. So this message, when I prepare, I told the congregation this morning is not just for you. I prepared this message also specifically for me. So that when I speak to you, I'm speaking to myself. The second point I want to share with all of us, and before I move on to the second point, I wanted to share with you all a story, just not to distract you, I better move back. I want to share with you all a story that happened to me. I started my firm in 2001 on a very auspicious date. It's called September 11. 
Many of us remember September 11. And it's the most auspicious date because things cannot get any worse, right? Things cannot get any worse after September 11. So it was not until 2003 that we got our license from MES to practice because the government was focusing on security at that time. And from 2003 to 2008, the business was booming and we were doing very well. Okay, we are primarily in investment management and so the asset under management grew very quickly. And I was hard at work, so engrossed with work that I had no time for God. I had no time even for family. And my life was actually on, my spiritual life was actually spiraling down. Then came 2008, many of you remember. September 08, we have the GFC, the global financial crisis. The market crashed for six months before it recovered. And when the market crashed, it crashed very badly. The American market felt like almost 40% in three months. And we are investment management. There were a lot of fears in the market. Every day I was just engaging clients. I had people leaving the firm. It was a very discouraging time. And you know, sometimes we human beings, we are like that, and we see that in the Israelite as well. It is only when we are knocked down, then we are made to look upwards. When we are successful, we, we don't. We forget God, and that's me. Those few years when I was busily working and enjoying the fruits of my labor and the business was doing well, I couldn't hear God at all. And when the crisis came, well, it was a smack on my face. I began to seek God more, and actually that was the time I came to Covenant because I really needed a spiritual revival. Sometime in 20, late 2009, 2010, I was walking outside McDonald's at Tampines uh, Interchange. And then I had this impression. It was not the audible voice of God, but I knew it was from God, but it was not the audible voice. But I could, I could hear this in my mind. Right? And he kept playing. And God was telling me, look, the devil has used money to destroy the West. It's going to come to Asia. It's going to come to this part of the world. And we are seeing it right now. Wealth, the wealth is here. And the wealth is in Singapore, by the way. There are lots of money coming from China and Hong Kong to this part of the world. And God says, I've given you the license, I've given you the knowledge, I've given you the skill and I've given you your sphere of influence. What are you going to do about it? So that was what I heard. Again, I'll emphasize not audible. But that was the impression and it kept coming. And so I went back and I spoke to my management team about what I've heard. And I'm very thankful because my management team, all of them at that time, now we have two uh, non-Christians, but at that time, all of us, eight of us, we are all believers. And interestingly, five out of eight of us are from Covenant. That's not a recruitment criteria. It just happened to be that way. I came to Covenant first and two of them came follow me. And then I have got my COO whom were from our church and she came. And then when I, I was interviewing my head of investment and he was describing his church, I said, your church sounds very familiar. And then he says, yeah, I'm from Covenant. And they're like, oh, but he's from Covenant Woodlands. And the four, the rest of the four, they worship together with me now at the East. And so when I shared this with them, we decided to focus on impacting the marketplace, our sphere of influence with kingdom values. And so we developed this thing called the philosophy of sufficiency. Because in my world, in the finance world, in the investment world, it's never enough. It's always about maximization. 
profit maximization, returns maximization is how much you can maximize the wealth of your clients. And then now we go out there and we preach, enough, don't go for too much. <laughs> because there is a price to pay if you go for too much. Now, this is biblical, it's just that we don't have to quote scriptures to our clients, especially if they are non-Christians. But that was what we did. But where did God call? He called me at the most unexpected time. Not when I was doing very well, when I was doing very badly. And where? Outside McDonald's. And I said in, this morning as well, I'm not endorsing McDonald's. Please don't go out there and, you know, wow, this is the place where God is going to speak to me. That's the burning bush. It's just that God calls you at the most unexpected places. And when you are just doing your normal work, it's just the question is whether will we hear Him. Now, very quickly, second point. The second point I want to share with all of us is God can work with whatever we have. And this is found actually in Exodus chapter 3, 11 to chapter 4, verse 12. It's a really long message, and in the interest of time, I'm not going to read everything, but I've summarized it, you know, the key verses in this table. Right? Basically, this was the passage of Moses giving all his excuses why he doesn't want to be called. Right? And the first excuse, Moses' question, who am I? I'm no longer Prince Moses. I'm a fugitive Moses. Who am I that I should go? That's 3.11. What Moses really meant was that he said, I don't have the status. No, don't send me. I don't have the status. I'm just a shepherd. I'm tending to the sheep. I'm growing my agricultural business. Don't disturb me. I don't have the status. What did God say? God said this, I will be with you. When you come out of Egypt, you will serve me on this mountain. So that was God's reply. Yeah, you don't have the status, but I'm going to go with you. It's not about you, it's about me. The second objection that Moses gave to God. What is your name that I may tell the people who sent me? I don't even know what's your name. How am I going to tell? go out there and say, uh, my God sent me? Well, what Moses really meant was, I don't have enough knowledge. But this was what God responded. I am who I am, all in caps. Yahweh, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you don't know? I tell you. You don't have knowledge? I'll give it to you. And then not enough. Moses gave the third objection. How would the people believe that you have sent me? And what Moses really meant was that I don't have the gift of performing miracles. And God's response to Moses was, well, well, Yahweh turns Moses' rod into a serpent and back into a rod. And then in chapter 4, Yahweh makes Moses' hand leprous, then heals it. And then God instructed Moses to turn water from now into blood. So God showed that through him, he can actually have all these miracles. It's not about Moses again. You can't. But if I do it through you, you can. But that was not enough for Moses still. He gave one more objection. This is not like negotiating, by the way. Yeah, this is basically Moses saying, no, 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 I'm not good enough. No, 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 I don't have the status. No, 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 I cannot perform miracle. And after all that, he had the fourth one. I am not eloquent. I cannot speak well. I'm slow of speech. And what Moses really is saying is, I don't have the gift of the gap, God. Don't send me. Send Aaron. Send someone else. But then God said to him, I'm the one who made your mouth. It's not you, me, again. And after all these excuses, I mean, what do you expect Moses to say? Well, let's take a look what Moses said later on. You see, God can work with us with whatever we have or don't have. 
because He is the one that equips and empowers. I do not know what challenges we have here. Maybe some of these are our excuses. But I hope through Exodus, God is speaking to you the same way He's speaking to me. It's not about us. It is He who equips and empowers. The question really is, are we willing? We hear Him, but are we willing? We know in our head that God can, but the question is whether we are willing. And that's why I prayed that prayer earlier on. The head knows it, but the heart is unwilling. And even if the heart is, is willing, sometimes the spirit is weak. So we need to have that connection between the head and heart, and the only God can do that for us. But you know what? Our gracious God gave Moses so many chances because here is Moses giving so many excuses, but God still wanted him. And after all those excuses and after all the, response, the responses given by God to Moses, what did Moses still say? Well, Moses' response was this. He said, but, oh my Lord, please send someone else. After all that has been said and done, and here is Moses still saying, no, I don't want to go. Please send someone else. And I was thinking what picture to put, you know, because if you read this, right, and if you are God, but thankfully we are all not God, but if I am God, this would be my response. It's like, I give up. I give up. And maybe this was really God's response. Right. Oh my goodness, this guy, I know, after all the excuses and after all that I said I will help him with, he still said, oh, no, no, please send someone else. But sometimes we are like that, isn't it? And the question sometimes I have for us is, well, I mean, we really have to ask ourselves, what is the fear? I mean, why is it that Moses didn't want to go? I mean, we, we don't know. If you read the Bible, it's not very clear. It could be the fear of Pharaoh because he's afraid to go back and he's a, he's a fugitive, right? Or it could be, he's too comfortable now in Midian. He's 80 years old. He's in retirement. He's happily tending to the sheep. Or he is too busy to grow his agricultural business. No time. Don't send me. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, the question is, to all of us who are working in the marketplace, especially if you have a job, and if you have a, a boss to report to, my question to all of us is, how many of us in the marketplace today dare to reject our bosses who assign us assignments many times? How many? Your boss literally had, has to beg you. Can you do this? No, 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 no boss, not doing. Why? I don't have the status, no rank. Promote me first. <laughs> no boss, I don't want to do. Why? No knowledge. How many of us dare to tell our boss we've got no knowledge, <laughs> no skill? We are our job, right? And after everything, we still talk about send someone else. Like, you send my colleague. Most of us will be like, give me the job. <laughs> right? Because I want to shine. And at the end of the year, when I have my performance appraisal, I want to get a good appraisal. I want to get a good performance bonus beyond the 13-month bonus. Our boss will happily give it to someone else. But here is Moses after rejecting God so many times and God still pursued him. The same can be said of Jonah, right? God wanted to send Jonah to Nineveh. Jonah ran away. And God had to pursue him. And what's so big deal about Jonah? There are so many prophets to send. What's the big deal about him? There's nothing big deal about us. 
but it's our God that is a big deal because He is so gracious and He tries and He tries and He tries and He tries. So my second application that I'd like to share with all of us is God doesn't need us to fulfill His mission. We get to do it because of His grace and mercy. He can and work through us with whatever we have, but the question is whether we are willing. I had this reference of Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 and 15. Now, if you go to in your own time to read these two verses, it's very interesting because this is the creation story. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it was stated there that you know, God said that, you know, well, there was no shrubs, no grass, no, basically no vegetation, no plants. Why? Because man was not created yet. And if you read that verse, it's like God is saying, well, he can't do it without man. But we know it's not true. The God of creation who created the skies, the stars, the planet, you mean he cannot create just a tree? With just a word, the tree will grow. But in 15, God created man. He gave us that contract. He gave us that contract to partner him. It is a privilege, really, to be a marketplace disciple. So, second application for us to think about. And the last point, really, is to accomplish his will. Allow me to read this passage for all of us. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to do a good and broad land and a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So what was God's will here? Well, in this context, God has heard the cry of his people, God has compassion on his people, and God's will really was to deliver the people out of Egypt. Egypt. What is that cry in your marketplace? And that's the third application I'd like to leave with all of us this morning. Are you hearing the cry of your people? Maybe it's not similar. The cry, another word for it, can be a need. Where you are right now, at home, in school, in your camps, in your workplaces, what is that need of the people? in your marketplace that you have an influence over. How can we, together as a church body, bring that compassion to the marketplace? How can we impact the marketplace with kingdom values? When we come on Sunday, the church is equipping us. The work of the church is to equip us to do the works of the church. So that after the equipping on Sunday, this is like in the army, you know, this is like school training, right? We are sent to the operational unit because the wars are not fight in schools. It's out there. And so when we leave the church on Monday, that's the real works of the church to impact the place. That's what salt and light means, right? Because we are immersed into the marketplace. And when we impact the marketplace with kingdom values, we become really salt. The whole marketplace is now godly and it's like the salt has melted. That's what sort really means, sorting the marketplace. But are we willing to obey his call? I just want to conclude with a personal story. And I hope that encourages you to, in a way, respond to God if he calls you. I've asked uh, my wife, who's not here, 
for the second service for permission to share because it is really her story and my wife is actually a very private person. So my wife was diagnosed to have glomerulonephritis at the age of 19 years old. Glomerulonephritis, or nephritis in short, in layman terms is chronic kidney disease, CKD. Now most kidney patients start with that and then the kidney deteriorates. There is no cure for CKD. It just deteriorates by the year. And so for many years, she has gone for treatment, treatment in the form of slowing down the deterioration. But both of us know that one day we have to face the reality and that of dialysis. So just a couple of months ago, uh, she went to see her doctor and the doctor said, it's time. She probably will need dialysis in the next 6 to 12 months. Her kidney function now is at 12%. Her creatinine level is now 493. And for those of us who do not know, once you cross 400, your kidney actually is failing at a very fast rate and you need dialysis. If she doesn't go for dialysis, she will die immediately. Even with dialysis, her lifespan is shortened to about 5 to 10 years. My wife is 50 years old only. Now, we have always expected this day to come. But when the news broke, it is still not easy to accept this because she's only 50, right? And I didn't say this in the first service because I didn't want to affect her. I'm actually scared. And I don't have, I cannot, I have to put on a brave run in front of her. But I'm actually scared. Two years ago, I lost my father right after circuit breaker. Last December, I lost my father-in-law. In March, I lost my mother. And then I'm like, oh my, why is all these things happening? You know? And so the plan really is for me to give her a kidney. So we have gone for a lot of tests over the last few months. They have to be very thorough because it's transplanting an organ. And then, you know, one of the screening that both of us did uh, over two days, uh, they took 23 tubes of our blood. And they took until there's no more blood on the other side and they have to find the other hand to do it. <laughs> you know? And I pray that we'll be suitable. So far, I'm clear. Doctor says the good news is you are at the ping of health. But now it's your wife. She must be healthy to take that kidney because she can reject your, your kidney. Now what's my point? My point of telling you this story is this. We all know that we have an end date, don't we? We all have an end date. We just don't know when. We always have that. We take for granted maybe it's 80, 85. But we know that's not always true. We have an end date. But when the end date was made very clear to us, because for my wife, even with the transplant, she will have maybe another 15 years. She's only 65, 15 years later. That's not very old. So when there is an end date, it became very real. And with an end date, we ask ourselves, what am I going to do if I know I've got five years left? How can I be a disciple in the marketplace, God, if I've got five years left, 10 years left, 15 years left? You and me, we all have an end date. We just don't know when is that end date, but it's coming for sure. Nearer and nearer and nearer. And I say this not just to you, to myself right now, as if you are my mirror. I better don't reject my boss so many times. He'll find someone else. He doesn't need me. It's a privilege that he approached us many, many times. Even as I ask the worship team to come up, I'd like us to consider this. 
you know, whether God has spoken to you as a marketplace disciple, but what has our response been? I do not know what are some of the constraints you have, maybe diseases, maybe inferiority. I do not know. We all have fears. But I hope that this song that I have asked the music, um, the worship team to play, is one of my favorite songs since uh, my childhood as a Christian, a teenager. Is this song called Empower Me? And I hope that through this song, God will really speak to you and God will assure you that He equips and He empowers each and every one of us regardless of our weaknesses. So can I invite all of us to stand and let's sing this and, and then Pastor Edmund will be here to lead us in a time of response. Empower me. as a prayer to the Lord. Nobody has the power to change me to what I was born to be. Jesus, be strong in my weakness and power me. to really open this area for prayer ministry now so if my fellow pastors, ministry staff, all the ministers can join me. I trust we hear the call of God and the heart of God for our lives. All of us have an expiry date. We just don't know when. And it may be sooner than we think. But until then, our lives are entirely in God's hands. And meantime, what God wants to do as He gives us the call for our lives, wherever God places us, is that He wants, He wants to work at unexpected places, through unexpected seasons, through unexpected people, you and I, for unexpected results and outcomes. And I realize what we need is not just more skills, more knowledge. What we need actually is a greater empowering when I came over to Bukit Panjang Centre, I asked the senior pastors to pray for a new empowering for me because I knew that I could not depend on past experience, gifting, ability to wing it. Because I'm jumping into the deep end, the learning curve is just too steep. But I did not expect the empowering to come through something called COVID. My wife uh, caught COVID, but after five days, she was up and, and about. 
had to survive and struggle for four weeks, one month. The, the, the sore throat was so bad that swallowing was torture. There were nights I had to sleep with a blanket, without aircon, without fan because of the fever. And, and I coughed until I wanted to throw my lungs away. The inhaler didn't work. There were days in the morning I would go and buy food and on the way back I would be panting and I have to lie down at home. The rest of the morning was a wash out. And there was one Sunday I was speaking here at Bukit Panjang, three services. The Woodlands AV team was on standby in case they need to broadcast. BPJ was on standby in case they need to record me. By God's help, I lasted the three services. And as I sat down, Pastor Porsche came to me, prayed for me a very simple short prayer. Lord, please heal Pastor Edward. And when she did, something broke in me, tears came down my face and I knew God was activating something. And true enough, Thursday morning, a few days later, was the first time I woke up no more coughing fit. Can we, can we give thanks and praise to God? I share this, friends, because all of us will feel we don't have what it takes, always. But until and unless the empowering of God comes. And that's why we want to open the prayer uh, area here for, for ministry now. So if fellow pastors and, and ministry staff, altar ministers, uh, ministers, please join me here up front. And how many of us, you, you, you feel what I'm talking about? Can I just see your hands? You feel what I'm talking about? You say, yeah, Pastor, I feel you. I, I myself need a new empowering. And if that's you, if your hand is raised, I want to invite you as we sing verse 2 now. Nobody's eyes see through my soul but yours. I want to invite you to come and believe as we lay hands upon you and ask for the Lord's hand upon you to empower you. Something happens in your spirit. You may say or do the same thing, but the results may be different. Because not about us. It's about God. And it's called that He will fulfill. So let's sing verse 2 once more. And if that's you, let's come. Let's come and receive a new empowering from God. Nobody's eyes. Nobody's eyes. Let's come. Let's, that's right. See through my soul. Yeah, keep coming. Keep coming. Can I have the church board as well if you're here? The church board. Zone mentors if you're here. Zone mentors, please come. And let's share and pray. Street leaders, if you are here from WIC, MIC, please come as well. Okay, CG leaders, if you are here as well, please come. And let's pray for let's pray for our dear spiritual family.
send the power. One last time, send the power. Send the power of your love and power Before I give the closing prayer benediction, there's uh, some more brothers and sisters are still waiting. So if you are here as a, a zone mentor, CGLs, please do come and join us to pray for people, church board as well. Okay, any ministry leaders here, uh, please also join us, especially from WIC or MIC, please do come. Uh, there are some more waiting. And for the rest of us, as we continue to make this prayer area conducive uh, for ministry, I want to invite us after the prayer blessing, just be seated and just to seal our time together in prayer with someone next to us. And then let's depart quietly, okay, so that we continue to make this uh, time conducive for the rest. Let's lift our hands right now as we receive the blessing from the Lord. Father God, by your Spirit now we receive a new anointing, a new unction, that through wherever you call us, even this season, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to captives, to recover sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to usher in, this is the time of your favour. And therefore, Lord, send us back to our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our army camps, that empowered by you, we may represent Jesus well and advance your kingdom through your calling. Be pleased, O Lord, to not only answer, but exceed all that we ask. And therefore, the Lord bless us and keep us the Lord make His face to shine upon us, lift up His countenance upon us, and His shalom be upon us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and we say together, Amen. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.